Welcome to the Ryan Holt Show. On this show, you can expect the latest, the greatest, and the best curated content on business, marketing, automotive, and lifestyle. Sit back, put in your earplugs, and let's enjoy the ride. Now, as always, I want to make sure you get the best in content that will help you monster your goals, both personally and professionally. I want to keep this conversation going, so please check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope at RyanHoltz1. And then go over to Facebook.com forward slash RyanHoltz Marketing, and we can chat there too. I also want you to visit www.ryanholtz.ca as this will be where I put my almighty beloved show notes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I am proud to bring you the Ryan Holtz Show. Let the beat drop and enjoy. Anyway, I'll get into it. Uh, hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Ryan Holtz Show podcast. Today, I'm not interviewing anybody, actually. I'm being interviewed um, by Lori Strauss. Lori Strauss is an amazing copywriter. She's also an English to German uh, translator. Lori, I, I hope you know my last name means wood in German. It's Holtz. I do, yeah. Yeah, it, which is really <laughs> interesting. So I'm, 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 I'm hoping you can shed some more light on that. Um, but basically, Lori's interviewing me for the Ontario Used Car Magazine. Um, and basically, just kind of, you know, talking a little bit about some... Uh, trends and some forecasting in terms of what's going on in the digital marketing landscape for used car dealers. Um, as everybody knows, I'm very involved with the uh, automotive community. Um, so, Lori, I'm going to kick it over to you, and uh, you're more than welcome to introduce yourself to, to my audience and a little bit about yourself and then kick into the questions. Okay, thank you so much, Ryan. Um, yeah, my name is Laurie Strauss, and as Ryan had mentioned, I do some translation. I do a lot of writing as well. Um, I do some for the automotive industry, but I also do for the tech industry, localization, um, the performing arts industry as well. I've got a long background in the performing arts. I sort of grew up in the car industry. My father and uncle have a dealership in Kitchener. Okay. And so just by connection, I got into writing for the Used Car <laughs> Dealer Association, yeah, yeah. and I've been writing for them since the first issue of the magazine, which I believe was the end of 2013. Okay. So that's me. Yeah. yeah. So it's a very small world. I, I don't ironically don't drive. Super and here I am cool. writing about cars. Super so. cool. You know, what's interesting. Yeah. I, it's kind of I'm actually happy that you agreed to do the podcast because, you know, usually like I've been in quite a few magazines and stuff. But usually when uh, people see in a magazine, I think I get a lot of questions as to like, how did that happen? How did they find you? What was the purpose of the article? Because a lot of people, they, you know, they haven't been featured in anything. So I think they're just curious about the process. So maybe you can shed some light on how you kind of go around and try to, you know, figure out who would be the right fit in terms of, you know, the interview for your specific topic. Yeah, absolutely. And then we can segue over to you and you can give everyone else tips on how to get people's attention. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's your job. Yeah, right? That's yeah. what you do. So, um, I mean, for me, a lot of it is Internet search. And you would be surprised, Ryan, how many websites are really poorly designed. Yeah, um, it's hard to get a hold of the right person. And okay. I know that when I'm dealing with um, car dealerships, and it can be a franchisee, it can also be an independent car dealer, yep. that I'm often dealing with family businesses. Yep. And so I can't just call up the PR person because very few dealers are large enough to have someone who's dedicated to that. True. Um, so that's part of it. Yep. Um, part of it is certainly I do email first. I don't like blindsiding people, <laughs> you know, on the yeah. phone going, hi, I'm yeah. calling from this company and you don't know me at all. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't do cold calling very well, so I'm not a salesperson. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, so it, it's it's very much about 
you know, me being able to find somebody just through um, through internet search. I also do contact Harrow, and that is help a reporter out. Oh. Um, yes, they are very good. It's very um, very American based, but there are Canadian companies on there, yeah, yeah. and I do send out queries that way as well. Interesting. So, so is that yeah. almost like is that almost like kind of like a like a parallel to like headhunting slash recruitment in a way like they kind of try to find you somebody that matches the specific article or piece you're trying to write on no what, what they do is so i fill in my query what i'm looking yeah. for what yeah. the article's about um yeah. when i write for the ucda they really do prefer ucda members understandably sure um but predominantly at the very least car dealers within ontario yeah and so and they just send the query out to all their subscribers they have thousands and thousands of subscribers i believe if you're on the other end of the spectrum which i've yeah. been as well because I write, so I'd like to be included in other articles <laughs> yeah, as a writer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Um, and so then you get an email, I believe, three days, three times a day. Yeah. And with the whole list of queries and the email, you can follow them on Twitter as well. There's lots of stuff there. And it's really a great way to actually try and get your car dealership more out there. Interesting. Um, yeah. So. Basically, what Lori's trying to say is it's a it's a it's a it's a watered down version of Tinder for journalists. <laughs> <laughs> you could put it that way. This is this is the Rhino Show podcast, Lori. Our, our whole mandate is curiosity is our mandate in real talk. So um, by the end of this interview, you're like, I'm never calling him or, or ever having him on a magazine ever again. <laughs> I've got to ask you questions. Too, yes. Right? So. Yeah. So let's segue into it and uh, and uh, I'll uh, answer as best as I can. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, from your standpoint, when you work with car dealers, yep. um, what are in terms of them getting attention and it can be local media as well. I'm not a local person. Sure. What I do. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, what do you feel that they are missing from when they're trying to get the attention of their local media for sales and such? I think uh, if it's going to be local media and you're referring more to like TV stations or organic kind of press, so to speak. Yeah, and like the local newspaper. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when I, I can speak from experience because we when I actually worked at a dealership for a year, um, I did things to get press such as we did one campaign that was called uh, Drop Your Gaunch. And it was hashtag Drop Your Gaunch. And I know you're going to laugh, but it's actually very brilliant. <laughs> uh, basically, our local... Um, charity uh, homeless shelter needed uh, men's underwear to be donated and it's not sexy and even when I was talking to the marketing person for the shelter they said he said Ryan we get socks we get pants we get you know coats we get jackets but people don't donate underwear and I just kind of thought about it. I'm like yeah I, I know it's not the most glamorous thing to talk about however that's probably a good point so I said how can I segue our vehicles into this event and I said, how can I utilize social media to really draw attention? Most media houses, especially their advertising departments or editorial, know when they're basically getting a pitch that's almost like an advertorial. Um, so what I would suggest to dealerships uh, is they have to create something that's newsworthy. And in this case, just imagine you heard something on Facebook of local dealership, drop your gaunch campaign, come and drop by our showroom one to three in the afternoon. And we have a Toyota Tundra that you can just drop underwear in. I'm not even kidding you. In two hours, we had over 10,000 pairs of brand new men's underwear stacked in the back of a Toyota Tundra because it was a Toyota dealer. Um, and it was absolutely insane. So what happened was news cameras were just coming and we didn't even send out a press release, but it was literally trending throughout Twitter and on Facebook and people were just showing up in droves. Uh, all of a sudden we had a DJ coming. We had people donating food. It, it turned into this almost like, um, 
you know, parking lot, little like uh, tailgate party. Um, and the news stations always ask one question. They just said, you know, it's a brilliant idea for a local business to, you know, help the community out, um, but also get great advertising for the dealership. And a lot of dealers, what you will hear them say is they, they, they're so fixated on selling cars, selling cars, selling cars. They want to increase their lot turns per month that even when you tell them an idea like that, what's amazing to me is they think, well, Ryan, how are we going to sell cars from that? And that's the whole misconception here is dealers have to understand that the best marketing is not direct sales. It's more of that inbound, creating awareness, getting people involved, engagement. Just imagine you get every news station, you got tons of papers writing on this specific event, and then you have, I mean, it was something like 750,000 eyeballs on this one hashtag within a 24-hour period. That's great marketing. I mean, yeah, and, really, really. Yeah, and it's it's something that people are actually paying attention to rather than just seeing the front grill of a vehicle. So um, they need to figure out what their community needs, how they can become involved a little bit more in their community, and to be honest with you, good old fashioned work, but not self serving all the time. They got to think about how can we provide value. Right. And I know from the family business that I grew up in, that's how they work. And Absolutely. they are, I don't know if I can, I don't know the stats all the time. They might be the largest dealership in our area. Sure. Um, they're one of the strongest ones across the country as far as Toyota goes. Yep. Um, often surpassing Toronto. Not always, yep. I think. But again, yep. I've talked to dad to get the actual statistics. Sure. But that is what they do. Yep. Huge into community. Huge. Yeah. And just to, yeah. just to kind of add on that, especially with community, community is very important. But dealers got to think about educating uh, here in Alberta and in BC and things like that. I mean, you have so many consumers that still look at the average dealership as not in the, not in favorable light. A lot of car buyers think, hey, my dealership's a con artist. It's it's if you take a general this is the reality of the car business. You know, there's so many there's so many misleading things. And I and I can tell you from, you know, working in the industry, even prior to getting into the auto industry, my opinion of a car dealer was not good at all based on my own personal experience. What I can say is there's amazing humans in this industry and amazing car dealers. But like anything, there's definitely some bad apples that tend to draw a lot more noise, so to speak. So dealers can do things like, you know, hold small little events like, you know, for instance, my, my wife and I, we just had our first son uh, 16 months ago and I was YouTubing how to put a car seat in, you know, something. Congratulations. So, so, cool. so, 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 yeah. So like, you know, hold hold local car seat clinics, team up with the local fire departments, like just get in the mix of really trying to educate the customer, you know, give them some tips on warranty, give them some tips on how to take care of the vehicle. Things like new owner nights are very good, you know, where it's like, hey, take our list of customers who bought a Toyota Tundra in the last 30 days, have them come to our service department. One of the techs going to put a car up on the hoist and teach them how to do basic maintenance. Things that are actually providing value to the customer. Sales, if, you're, if your whole marketing plan is focused on sales as a dealer in 2018, I just think you're going to have a really tough year. It's not going to go well for you. Yeah. And I mean, is it so in that sense, but then how, what do dealers do? Because they, they get their financials every week, every month, every day yep. and they go, okay, this department's not doing very yep. well. Yep. This one's going stronger. So you strong guys, you keep going. You other guys, you're not doing well. Um, make it better. Yep. How, how can dealers help these other ones, you know, make it better because it's, it's like the focus is so strong on the numbers. Yeah. 
but they don't see the return, direct return on investment in what you're suggesting. How do you suggest dealers change the way they focus, change the way they work to make that connection? Well, it's funny because you, you talk about churn and I mean, a, a dealer terminology is, you know, most dealers, they're obsessed with lot turns, meaning if you have 100 cars on the lot, every time that, you know, that new month strikes, you know, the first day of the month, you're getting charged interest on the loans that are on those vehicles. So the average dealer, their their number one goal is to sell all their inventory out every month in a perfect world. Uh, another, another big one for dealers is absorption, meaning let's say your sales has a really bad or rough month. And I'm always talking about the month because dealers know in their in our business, it's all about the month. They just talk about the month, the month, the month. But on the service side of it is the they talk about absorption, meaning if your service department is, you know, doing oil changes, checking vehicles, doing a lot of that work, it's fixed operation, which means that that will basically pay for a lot of their expenses of the dealership. It absorbs most of the expense and cost. Some dealers in Alberta are running at 110 percent absorption, meaning before they even sell a car just off their service, they're 10 points up on profit. So I think dealers have to, when they look on their sales and they're so number focused on the return, they got to, they, first of all, they have to put themselves into 2018, meaning it, it, it's a different world in terms of marketing. You have to be very, very tactful on the messaging that you're putting out um, and the customer service that you're giving. A lot of dealerships out there are disjointed still. They, they just are. Their service isn't working with the sales they're losing as many new customers as they're trying to market and get new customers because they're not taking care of their existing customer, right? And I think it's a bigger issue because, like you said, a lot of dealers, they don't have one person at the dealership that's tasked with all their marketing or all their public relations. Oftentimes, you know, you have a general sales manager that's doing Twitter, (laughs) you know, and he's still trying to desk deals. Or you have the owner's daughter's cousin's niece that's like doing Facebook because, well, he knows she has a cell phone and she's on Facebook and, you know, you're and I see these bizarre things all the time. And I'm like, so your business is a two hundred million dollar business. OK, every year. Hmm. And you're having your 17 year old daughter because, you know, they have a Facebook account. Do your Facebook. OK, you do know people go to school and spend like 10 years, five years getting like masters in marketing for this stuff. Like I know you think Facebook's really like Facebook, but like please have somebody that's equipped with the skill set, right? Well, and to put it in a different way, would you hire the same 17-year-old um, a teenager, daughter, family member, cousin of the brother of the, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Right, you know, as yeah. these go. Uh, would you hire that same person to write your business reports? No. You know, because they do math, they've done their grade 12 math, you know, would you hire them to act as your bookkeeper? Not necessarily, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, and certainly it's, teens absolutely know how to communicate, but they don't know how to communicate most don't know how to communicate with a specific goal in mind. Yep. Right. And I think that's what people forget sometimes when they're looking at who to hire and who not to hire is my guess. You're the consultant, uh, no, not me. No, 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 absolutely. And I think that dealers have to really focus on empowering their staff and their and investing in education. For instance, I go into dealerships and dealers will pay me some dealerships I go into every two weeks. And I literally go through it's like going through class where we talk about you know how to do personal branding how to get reviews how to do better in, in service how to do you know how to market your sales staff straight to the consumer very advanced things a lot of dealers right now are you know what whatever they're let's say they're spending a million dollars a year on advertising there's a lot of dealers out there right now that have cut almost you know all their traditional not doing TV radio or print 
and they're focusing, you know, almost all of their marketing dollars on digital. But here's the thing for every one traditional dollar, it's worth 25 digital. And what I mean by that is if you take out an ad on the back of a newspaper and it's, you know, all your biweekly payments with all your vehicles, boring dealer ads in the back of a newspaper. First of all, the people that are still reading newspapers you know, are how many of them are actually in the market for a vehicle? Less than 5%. So you're not even showing the ad to people who are in the market for your product or service. Whereas I can go on Facebook and I can go take a Toyota Tundra, who a lot of guys that drive Toyota Tundras and women, they love Tim Hortons coffee. And they can go, hello, and they can go and focus on things that, you know, they can really dial in and really target. Um, to somebody who's actually in the market or for their for their product or service or their specific vehicle. Dealers right now, what they have to understand is they have to, I would have to say, allocate more assets and capital to human resource, meaning I think every dealer should have at least one full-time marketing person on staff that is at the dealership Monday to Friday because to task a general manager or a dealer principal or a sales manager with a daunting task like marketing, meaning if you don't enjoy it or you're not skilled or educated in it, you're just not going to do it properly. And when I do talk to dealers, there's a lot of ego involved. A lot of dealers still want to keep running their business like it's 1998. And it's just not 1998 anymore. And what we're seeing in the industry is we're seeing dealers that were doing good things that are willing to adapt are climbing so far ahead of the pack and they're selling more vehicles, they're doing more service, their business is just growing exponentially, and you're starting to see this gap between the next dealer. And just as a quick little stat, a lot of dealerships are running with half the salespeople because their salespeople are so educated and so refined in the business that I only need 10 salespeople to sell what 40 salespeople were selling before, right? Oh, wow. Out here in Alberta, I mean, you got tons of people that are selling 40, 50 cars a month as a salesperson. Wow which in some respects, they're making more than the owner of the dealership because depending on what your pay plan is at selling 50 cars a month, I mean, you know, that's, you're making some really good money. Right? Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah, so that, that would be my answer for that. Okay. Now it's with you being in Alberta, I have to ask this question sure. um, about branding. Cause yep. I lived in Edmonton for a year, about yeah. 15 years ago or so. Yeah. And I still remember that cars cost less than Wetaskiwin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? And it's st- a jingle is still in my head. Yeah. And no, um, they don't, but it's good. <laughs> they probably cost more, but that's okay. <laughs> so where does, you know, let's talk about branding a bit, because of course, sure. when I look at your online presence, you've got the cheese thing going on, but it's refined. I don't know how to explain your image. It works. It totally works. It's, right? But. You know, where how do how does can dealerships brand themselves in a way that is memorable and that works without resorting to the colored flags on the dealership lot and stuff? You know right? what? Yeah, it's I mean you 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 know you got the the hoods popped and the monkey on the roof and all these things that, that you know in the barbecue that um, I think when it comes to branding again the dealer has to dig deep and decide what is our message and what is our goal as a dealership and as a culture. Um, I think that the best branding is the one that's transparent and very much you. Um, self-awareness, we talk about it as human beings, especially in sales. Um, but we have to talk about self-awareness as, 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 as a company, meaning, you know, Apple is not going to go and market like Nike. Nike's not going to go and market maybe like Adidas. These brands are huge brands in their, in their own right because of the way they're pushing out their message to the chosen consumer. 
everyone has the same. It's a level playing field now. Everyone has Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, YouTube. The list goes on and on and on. It's just how you're using those tools. A lot of dealers are very disjointed. And I keep going back to that because that's the main issue. They'll get excited about something and then they'll say, oh, Facebook doesn't work. We took out one ad. We didn't sell any cars. And they'll cut it. And then they go right back into it. But in the intimate conversations that I've had with dealers, a lot of them admit, Ryan, it's daunting. There's been a lot of dealers that have taken an early retirement and sold their dealership to companies like Auto Canada and Go Auto for the sheer fact they're like, I've been in this business for 35 years. I I made my money. I'm good. I don't want to have to like rejig and figure out this thing that we, you know, have called the Internet. The customer, and I will tell you this, the customer right now, you cannot fool the customer and dealers still don't get it. There's so many resources, right? You go buy that same Toyota Tundra, assuming your credit is exact same credit score as your neighbor. How come you're spending $8,000 more for the exact same truck with the exact same options? That's not going to go good for your business because what happens? The person's so excited about their car purchase. What's the first thing they do? Take a picture, post it on Facebook. What does their friends on Facebook say? Oh, I love your truck. How much did you pay? And then that's when the mistrust becomes. So dealers have to market and message as though the customer sees everything. We're living in an age where it's full transparency, right? And dealers need to just embrace that. But I think in terms of branding, I don't think you need a gimmick. I think your branding starts with how you treat your customer. And if you treat your customer great, your brand will take care of itself. Trust me on that. Now, let's look at, let's continue on with that thought about treating your customer great. Sure. Because some dealers might say, well, I'm polite. I say yes and please to the person <laughs> sitting in front of me. You know, we sell it, we, I, we sign the paper, and then that's it. I'm done. I was, I was professional. Mm-hmm. How am I not treating the customer great? Mm-hmm. What would your answer to something like that be? There's so many more things. Like, I wrote a beautiful blog post on this called Car Sales in Thirds. And I said the first third is great marketing, you know, trying to get the customer to the point of sale you know, reaching them online in their discovery when they're researching. The second part of that third in that equation is, you know, selling them the vehicle. But here's the most important third of the third is what are you doing with the customer after they've purchased the vehicle? A lot of dealers are, let's sell the vehicle and then done. And then you inundate them for oil changes and service. What are you doing with the customer after the service, after the sale has been made? Because I think a lot of dealers are, are skeptical to try to build that relationship, especially if they know that they kind of screwed around with the customer initially, because now the customer is driving the vehicle. This is when the experience actually starts happening. They're driving the vehicle, you know, now a year later, now maybe they're coming in for an oil change. And this is where the relationship building needs to be more emphasized, because now this customer is depending on you, A, to keep the vehicle maintained. Make sure that they feel like they have you as a lifeline should anything go wrong with that vehicle. And we know in two to four years, statistically, they're going to trade that vehicle back in and buy a new one anyway. You're going to throw that one on your used car lot. And we're going to start the whole cycle over and over and over again. So good customer service is things like when I come and pick up my vehicle on delivery, don't offer me like a stupid dealership hat or like a toolbox. Like I I love socks. You know, if a dealer sells me a car and I come get on delivery, can you imagine that there's a pair of socks in the passenger side seat saying, hey, Ryan, thank you so much for your business. That that one to one. We have a dealer, something so small, so, so small. Most dealers, when the car is sold, 
that first year that the customer's been in the car, the manufacturer sends them out a reminder for service. The dealer sends them out a reminder for service. We have one dealer that what they send to their customer is a $15 gift card to, for Starbucks texted to them, simply saying, according to our records, happy birthday. It's your first year of car ownership. We just want you to have a nice coffee on us. Take care. I mean, this is going above and beyond, but these are the things that people are looking for right now. Look what's happening in our world with Amazon. You're sitting in your home office. I'm sitting in my home office. I can order anything. We can order anything to our home right now via Amazon. We don't need to really see you a lot if we don't want to. Our, our It's the sharing economy. We're sharing cars, Uber, Airbnb, you know, cashless. You know, you can hold up your phone and pay for anything that you want with the phone, right? So dealers right now, they they have to really step up and say, how can I use technology to build that customer fence uh, even more? Okay. And now, but now how I can, again, hear a dealer saying, yeah, but how am I supposed to know that the guy likes socks? Right. How, how, so what, what are your suggestions there in terms of finding what the customer likes? Because if, if it's a small family dealership, and again, I might be wrong because mine is not a small yeah, family dealership. Yeah, yeah. They might be able to do the one-on-one and just know this customer likes this, this customer likes that. But if you've got, you know, I don't know, I don't know how many they sell in a year. You've got hundreds of people going through all the time and stuff. How do you keep track of who wants what and stuff? How do you find that out? Well, I, I guess I would say, how, how did you figure out what kind of vehicle the customer wanted to buy? You asked okay. them questions. You qualified them. You know, I mean, think about how many points of conversation you're having with the customer. First of all, the customers probably sent you something via online. Maybe it's a message on Facebook or, you know, a lead form through your website. So that's already your first point of contact. Then they actually come in the dealership. Now a salesperson greets them, right? And the salesperson's having all kinds of dialogue. Then, assuming that the customer wants to buy something and they've actually decided on a vehicle, they sit down in the finance, also known as the box, and give their whole life story Basically, their credit, their how much they make, and everything. There's like three points of contact. It's still taking roughly four hours of customer time to actually buy a vehicle. So in that four hours, you should be asking a lot of questions and figuring out who your customer is as a person. And I, I'm a firm believer dealers are still selling vehicles. Don't sell vehicles. Sell the need that the vehicle will fill for the customer. I'm not going to sell... I'm not going to show a jacked up truck with a lift kit to a mom who's concerned about space and maybe is taking her kids to practice. I'm not going to show a sports car to a trades guy that probably needs room in the back of his truck for his tools. So this is, again, about figuring out who buys that vehicle. The Ford, Toyota, all the manufacturers spend lots of money to figure out who comes in and buys a brand new Tundra. Who comes in and buys a RAV4? Their CRM, the dealer, should be full of information of who that customer is, what the customer loves, and what the customer likes. So in 2018, if a dealer says, well, Ryan, how am I supposed to figure out if they like socks or not? I mean, that gets put back onto them where what's your process in the store when you're guiding the customer from discovery to consideration to delivery? It's huge, right? So it's not that they have to figure out that they want socks, but they need to figure out how they can make that customer's experience a little bit better. So let's go with basic things. 
when a customer shows up at the dealership, actually have a knowledgeable salesperson waiting. That's already a struggle for a lot of dealerships. You know, it's such a transient industry, right? When, okay, yep. when the customer is researching how much that vehicle is, when the customer shows up at the dealership, don't change the price of the vehicle. Now you're misleading the customer. So do you see how through just great service, the dealers can already stand out? The, the, the price of customer service right now in, in the automotive sector, I don't think it's a tough bar. I don't think it's a high bar yet even. I think there's some dealers that are doing it really well. And they're seeing the they're seeing their sales. I mean, it reflects in the numbers big time. But those are the dealers that are saying, I understand if I take out a Facebook ad today, it could take a few months before we start getting some really good momentum off of that. But then as dealers know, it's a compounding effect because once you got the machine starting to roll, well, you do see it in the numbers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's even though digital is very um, instant. The results, as far as sales go, will not always be so instant. 100%. Right. Yeah, 100%. Right? Yeah, they got to focus on the marathon rather than the sprint. Um, right. And they got to focus on, before they even touch the, the the digital, and I have a dealer right now, a Chev dealer, who was working with a marketing agency that the manufacturer uh, suggested they work with, and then also working with a third-party company, and then working with another company. So I'm like, how many companies are you working with? They're like, well, four and I'm like, how do you even like, that's stressful. He's like, I know. He's like, the problem is, is I know how to run a dealership, but I don't understand marketing. So they get a lot of vendors in there blowing smoke every day. And they, you know, wow, we didn't, it didn't work out with that company because they told us they could do this. So there's a lot of false promising happening. And that's why I tell dealers, I'm like, you got to get educated. You should understand that when you are picking a vendor for digital or a company for digital, know what you're buying know what you want to achieve and and understand it's just basic education when it comes to that and if you don't know or you're not interested in it hire somebody on your team that can actually has that know-how and has that educational background at least i always say you can as long as a person has a great attitude in the automotive industry you can teach them automotive right you can teach anybody automotive so I would love to, I would take a, a geeky person out of school if, if they just love the internet and love the computer and that's what they do. Awesome. Come, come into, come into the automotive space, learn automotive, but apply those skills. I think dealers are starting to understand though, that they have to have somebody on their team that can do this. Because even for me, a lot of the clients I work with, the relationship starts out with the owner but then it immediately goes to the person who's actually handling the marketing at the dealership. So some dealers not only have one person full time on staff that does it, but then has a lifeline, which is a consultant or a company that comes in and works with the team to make sure that they're capitalizing on everything, which I think is brilliant, right? Yep. Yeah. No. And I mean, cause I, I'm just a freelance writer, so I'm looking for maybe, you know, 20 customers in a year Yeah. and I do try and teach myself marketing. Cause as a copywriter, I've got to keep up with the trends and how things are changing. I have to, yep. but I make it always very clear. I am not a marketing consultant for the reasons that you're talking about. So I can only imagine what someone who's running a dealership trying to sell to 30 customers a month, right? You know, and you're competing with all these other dealerships and stuff. Well, I feel the pain. So, like I think, I think a lot of people talk, you know, against the dealer and not a negative tone, but I can see why it would come uh, off as negative. But 
I know what it takes to run a dealership. I mean, it is not easy. You have no, it's uh, not. You have service. You have used. You have new. You have F and I finance. You have warranty issues. You have customer complaints. You have staffing issues. You have, I mean, like I think, oh God, like if somebody says I want to go into, I want to go own a dealership because I want to make lots of money and live an amazing life. Yeah, you can make good money and live an amazing life, but you are going to endure stress, my friend. Like it's not an easy. It's not an easy task. So for the some days and dealers have been honest. They're like, Ryan, the last thing I want to think about is how many quite how many impressions a twatter Twitter tweet post got. <laughs> like I have real problems here, you know, and it's like but then they're like, I understand it's important. It's just I got other stuff to do and I, I'm going to keep keep coming back on. Think about. I know we focus on sales managers. I know we focus on sales consultants, service managers, service advisors, dealer principals, general managers. Every dealership has to have, you know, a marketing and internet director. That that's gonna, and a lot of dealers do already. But that's gonna be a position that's gonna be a no-brainer. Like you're gonna see it on every dealer website. You know, meet our team, right? Go down, and you're gonna see marketing and internet director because you have to have it. And I, I tell dealers, I'm like, if you don't go to where your customer is. You're not going to have much of a business. I mean, Which is pretty easy to figure out, right? Yeah, but it's, it, well, it is difficult. Well, it's it that that thought process should be easy, the concept, but it's how do we actually start tackling that is the work. Right. And little things I recommend is, you know, looking at your association if they're offering workshops. I mean, we do all that, but I, I, I always tell dealers too, because I like to play the devil's advocate. You know, don't don't just go with a vendor because they say we can help you. Like I'm, I'm, I'm on the other side, I guess, but I even tell dealers, you don't have to go with me, but go read my blog post, go listen to the podcast, go to this and I'll give them resources. Go listen to all that first. And even for my company, the way I operate is I, I mean, I interview the dealer as much as the dealer interviews me because I don't want to walk into a dealership and have to convince them to change their thought process. That's, that's draining and too much handholding. I work with the dealers that are like, Ryan, you do not have to preach to me the importance of digital. We are on board, willing to learn. I'm like, check mark, check mark, boom. Let's go and sail off into the sunset together. And I would have to say it's it's a 50-50 split. Right. Okay. And I had a question and it disappeared. Um, <laughs> it will come back to me. That's okay. So when, okay, well, let's, we keep, you keep talking about um, hiring marketing people or a yep. marketing person, depending on the dealer. Um, what are some suggestions from your standpoint as a marketer yourself yep. that will help a dealer find the right person? You're asking me all the great questions because they're all the hardest ones. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Again, I've had dealers that are like, Ryan, would you come and sit in on the interviews? Because they're just like, it's so hard. Like, how do I say it? It's like a copywriter. And I work with a lot of copywriters because I own a marketing company. So we do lots of, you know, we need we need people that write. There's a lot of crappy copywriters out there. There's <laughs> probably, there, I would say there's probably more bad ones than good ones. But I think we could probably say that about lots of professions and lots of different. Oh, yeah, avenues. for sure. Right. So, I mean, I, I've had a copywriter before and I'm like, listen, my goal has always been to be you know, better at my grammar, you know, <laughs> but it works for me. I got great ideas and I'm like, I can't know. I mean, I'm going to put it out and some I'll get the odd person's like you use there instead of the other there. That shouldn't have been a comma. And I, like, I, I think at first it bothered me a bit. But now I'm like, listen, if that's all you're going to pick, like whatever, I don't care. However, I've, I've hired people in the past, you know, and I'm like, 
what is that? Like, I could have wrote that myself. I mean, I get that. However, with the deal, you could have written that yourself. I think, yeah. Well, there you go. See, you're already correcting me. See, you're already correcting me. Sorry, no, no. But, but, but I think, but I think a dealer. Don't worry, I'm going to get you before this ends too. But oh, for sure, I'm open. No, no. But I think as a dealer, um, you have to focus on finding somebody who either went to school for digital or just enjoys that comes from an environment or an ecosystem that is digital i always tell uh people is interesting one dealer maybe it's a good analogy they were having issues with their deliveries so the customers were complaining in their csi uh saying the delivery process was terrible so me and a dealer one day we were out and i don't know why we went we're at best buy i think we're just looking for something quick for a car or something it's weird but there's geek squad and best buy so we just asked one question. It was about, I think, like a, 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 an LCD screen of a vehicle or something like that. Uh, so anyways, this guy in Best Buy is giving us the best tutorial of this LCD screen that can go in your car that is was off the chain. So I looked at the dealer and I'm like, how much do you think that guy makes? He's like, ah, oh, he probably makes, I don't know, 12, 15 bucks an hour or something like that. Who knows? And it's this young guy. I said, could you imagine that you offered that guy $21 an hour? And said, all you need to do is do our, all of our deliveries at the dealership. And he looked at me. He's like, I said, do you see how passionate that guy was about demonstrating his product? So long story short, dealer went back the next day, offered a guy a job. The guy's still at the dealership. Their scores went from 24% to 92 on their delivery oh, wow. with their customers. So he wow. does on average maybe five to 10 deliveries a day. And he does all of them, Take walks the customer through how to pair your phone, how to use CarPlay, how to use all these different things. He's trained on how to even uh, certified to put in how to use car seats. I mean, just everything. And the dealer said, I would have never thought of that. And I'm like, well, that's the, the beauty of our business is, you know, look outside of the industry and find somebody who's got talent and great attitude and bring them into the industry we can teach them automotive even for me i started out at the dealership i never worked in automotive i had a marketing company before that sold it didn't have a good impression of the automotive space okay and then went into the dealership and thought this is terrible marketing and in one year we became we got featured by twitter alongside barack obama and became the first and only dealership to be verified ever still to this day and i did it in 10 months and it was simply off saying, focus on the customer. So for the dealers to find these people, I think, you know, I, I'm shocked at why I don't see dealers at career fairs, job fairs. But here's what's so crazy about this. And you're going to laugh. Ryan, I want somebody that loves Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Gram, <laughs> Insta, whatever the heck it's called, to you, YouTube, whatever. Okay. Where did you put the job posting? Oh, in our paper. <laughs> yes, that is funny. <laughs> Do you know that for $10 on Facebook, you could put in a little ad that says looking for a digital marketer. Here's what you're going to be doing. Amazing compensation and benefits package. So I said, you're actually advertising where your potential, who you want, isn't there. Do you see a problem with that? <laughs> Ryan, that's so smart. No, it's not smart. It's actually not smart at all. It's common sense. So 
a lot of dealers now are using the, the very same tools that they want to sell cars on and increase service as a human resources platform. And this goes a lot higher because even our associations, our provincial associations, like you're on Facebook and LinkedIn and stuff. When's the last time you've seen anything from our industry that is um, in a good light saying, here's why you should come work in automotive online? Yeah, no, nothing. And, and what's crazy about it is if we take the average person with the same skill level and education, look at how much money you can make in automotive. Is that not an attractive industry to get into? But then, oh, yeah, right. but, but we as an industry, we don't even market it as such. So how are you going to get top talent if you're not even marketing your own industry collectively to appeal to future top talent and human resource? Come, come well, sell cars like, you know, like it's crazy. All right. Well, and I and I read I was doing a, another article for the magazine and I think it was on recruitment and I came across um, a report. I forget. It was one of the national Canadian small business organizations. Mm. I forget the name of it, though. And they'd mentioned that one of the hardest things small businesses have is trying to find good, um, good human resources, right? Mm -hmm. Good employees and such, because they're not known names, Mm. right? Like, you know, I know about the cars in Wetaskiwin because I happen to have been in Edmonton and back then in 2003, 2004, you watched TV, you saw the ads, there you go. But, you know, does everybody in Edmonton know every single car dealer that's in and around the area where they could actually make a decent living where you're only... You know, you might have the odd late night as a salesperson, but you're home by 10 at the latest because everything's shut down. Nobody wants to hang around, right? Like there are a lot of good bonuses to it for sure. But here's what's amazing. Do you know how many messages I get of people asking if I know anybody hiring the industry because they've Googled my website comes up and they'll send a contact form through it, right? It's the same thing that the (laughs) dealers have. It's the same thing that I've I've had customers uh, send complaints through my website about dealerships. (laughs) Because every time they type in, because that's what, you know, building a good brand is about. But, you know, branding is a very touchy topic in the sense, because I feel like if you have to consciously think about a personal brand, it's probably not a brand. If I wake up and say, I got to be Ryan Holtz today and here's what I'm going to do. Like that's that's probably a sheer way not to build a personal brand. Right. You know what I mean? You need to be yourself, figure out who your audience is a little bit how you can provide value. You've been on my LinkedIn quite a while, you know, and I mean, I'm, I do all kinds of weird things and fun things. And, but you're like, who's the, who's this guy in automotive? There's not a lot of people like me, but I I realize that. And that's where that self-awareness comes in. So for dealers, they need to really do an audit, think about what their company's about, what their culture's about, and really start showing that to the public to attract that top talent. Many dealers, like, like you know, a guy comes and buys a car. You're like, "What do you do for work?" Oh, you know, I'm, I'm I sell pharmaceutical equipment. Oh, okay, so you're in sales. Cool, sharp guy. Seems to have his stuff together. The dealer will right there. Hey, are you you know why don't you come try automotive out? You need to be crafty in what you're doing, right? Can you imagine this? Imagine this, Ryan. Let's pull a report for everybody who came in and got an oil change in January. Holy. You'd have a lot of names. Can you imagine that we sent them an email, not a stupid, annoying, boring email to come in for some more service because we want to <laughs> sell more shit, but an actual email that says we are hiring a digital marketer. If anybody knows 
of anybody who would suit this and refers, we will give you a $1,000 referral fee or a $500 referral fee. Wow. Like, like you're, you, you, I mean, your family has a car dealership. You, you drive a vehicle at some point, I'm assuming you're familiar with it. Could you imagine just getting that from any dealer saying, Hey, Lori, we love you as a customer. Maybe you have somebody who's really of quality that would want to come and work at our establishment. You know, don't want to bug you or anything, but if you know of anybody, just please forward them the job posting. Have a good day. Instead, well, sorry, go ahead. Right. No, I was going to say, and the thing with that too is then, especially if you have a very large customer base, like oh. there are larger dealerships out there, yeah. that costs you nothing <laughs> except for the whatever you promise if you find the right person, right? So here's what's so it, amazing, Lori. Could you imagine? Here's here's what we could do. We could say, can you pull, Ryan, could you pull our customer list? of males and females between the ages of uh, 21 and 28 on our service and sales. No problem. Now, maybe we want to send out a job application posting to them because this is what we're looking for. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Small, so, but worthy. Yes, right. Small right. Exactly. So, exactly. So that would be my answer on that. Okay. Well, speaking of small but worthy, I finally remember the question I was going to ask you sure. further back. Sure. Um, I mean, with this being the Used Car Dealer Association, and um, a good chunk of those are certainly independent, and so they don't have the strength of the mothership, so to speak, behind them, doing yeah. a lot of the marketing already and paying for all expensive TV ads and all that stuff. Um, what suggestions do you have for the small mom and pop shop who sells, you know, Volkswagen and so there's a German Volkswagen, right? Um, you know, <laughs> Audi and Toyota and Ford and GM, what have you. Yep. Um, how can they brand themselves so that people recognize their name as a reliable, trustworthy used car dealer within their area of service? Uh, first off, I think there's a few things they can do. I think they can take out that part that says been in business since 1946 because nobody gives a crap. That's true. Okay. So we can start out with that. And then what they can do, because what I love about small business as opposed to large business is small business. Not only are you leaner, but you have to go through less chain of command, which means you can react much quicker than the big dogs. Now what small businesses have, and I love it is you can immediately make a change in your business because chances are the owner that owns the dealership is probably the sales manager. I mean, if you got a suggestion, uh, even internally, you can go and talk right to the owner in two seconds and he has the power to actually say, I like it or I don't. But what they can do is because they don't have the large volume of a larger dealership, which comes with a lot more headaches to as to your earlier point of how can we keep track? They shouldn't have that issue, which means they have the time to be a little bit more thorough with the customer. I think when it comes to digital marketing, some of the things that they need to focus on is um, I love Instagram. I love Snapchat. Um, a, A small example. Somebody comes in, they bring in their vehicle on service. Okay, usually it's can I have your keys? We'll call you and tell you what's 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 the issue with your vehicle. Some dealers are saying, are you on Snapchat? I'll have Larry Snapchat you and then we'll take a picture of your vehicle and explain everything that's going wrong with it. Oh, wow. Well, now somebody's like my dealership Snapchatting me about what the issue is with my with my car. And that is huge because I think that dealers have to understand right now messaging is something they need to focus on in 2018. I hope you include in your article. And by messaging, I mean 
of course text messaging but i mean facebook messaging i mean snapchatting i mean direct messaging on instagram because messaging is becoming such a huge part of our lives you know even social media the number one thing it's so funny people are are so nocturnal about facebook and twitter but the number one thing you can ever get with somebody that's the most important other than their left leg their sin number or anything else is their phone number most people unless you're moving you've had your phone number for so long your email address might change you might delete your facebook account you might delete your twitter but that phone number that text pro that text is so crucial most customers they're dropping their car off getting a courtesy shuttle to their work so for them convenience is so huge so it's hey don't worry listen Lori. we're gonna bring your car in are you on Facebook Messenger or are you on Snapchat? We'd love to message you, whatever issue. I know you're at work. We'll sort everything out. Don't worry. Everything's on us. Number two, this is really interesting. And I know there's probably some legal things and stuff, but some dealers are doing it. They're giving their customer an Uber service, meaning we'll get you Ubered from work and back to our dealership. So they're using Uber now as their courtesy shuttle because customers, a lot of people love ride sharing. So the dealer is like, well, we'll give you $25, you know, discount code to Uber and get you to work and then get you back. So things like that. If you're small, if you're a small dealership, you need to focus on the one to one. You really got to focus on the one to one marketing, not be so spammy. Focus on when that customer's birthday is of their vehicle. Utilize a Starbucks gift card to send out to them. Talk to your manufacturer and try to get them to stop sending them so much damn mail. The private sale. Let's talk about the private sale. You've heard of private sales, right? Is that where yeah. like a certain group comes in? To, you know, yeah. You, you, you like get, a friends thing? Or? Yeah, you, you know, you got it. You get you hire one of those outbound companies. They print off your list and they book appointments. It's like one of those bang sales. So it's like you come okay, in, nope. your VIP sales, we call them. Okay. But it's funny, they, they, they say private sale. A lot of dealers still do private sale. A private sale is not private if you publicize it. That's called an oxymoron, which you would know, right? It's, it doesn't yes. make any sense at all. So small dealers, it's nice. And to be direct with the answer is it doesn't matter how much money you have. If you got a dealer that has 10 times more ad spend than you, it makes no difference in 2018. Because you can go online right now with 50 bucks and put 50 bucks on a 2017 Toyota Tundra, target, you know, two kilometers in and around Ajax between the ages of 29 and 34 year old male who loves hockey and Tim Hortons. Very stereotypical. But if you go through, if you look at any Tim Hortons lineup, you will see trucks and you see all these guys are trembling in their hands they're waiting for their double double and you know so that dealer has the same tools as the big dealers now before dealers would literally outspend you they'd buy more radio ads more tv ads more newspaper ads doesn't work like that anymore facebook even as you know saves you from yourself even if you say to facebook i want to spend twenty thousand dollars you're not going to spend twenty thousand dollars if people don't click on your crappy ad that's true. <laughs> it's very true. Right? You're, so it's so it's so it's a pay to play. So um I think if I'm a small dealer, I, I, I feel happy. I think you're in one of the best times to do some great business. If you buckle down, understand this digital stuff and stop being so self-serving with it. 
most dealers, the problem is even when they go for education, they're like, okay, I want to learn this. Okay, so how can I sell more cars? Okay, I want to learn this. Okay, how can I sell more cars? It's just, whoa, slow down. If you're married and you have a wife, could you imagine you sit down on your first date and you're like, okay, so uh, my name's Larry and we're going to get married. Whoa, <laughs> that woman's going to be like, no, no, don't ever call me again. You are a little crazy. Now, I use that as analogy even in my talks with dealers and stuff because it's funny because that's kind of what dealers do to their customer. They want to completely, it's, they don't want the marriage. They're trying to get the quick fix. And what customers are saying is, we don't want the quick fix. We want the long-term relationship with you. We know that we're going to buy a vehicle. We know that we have to get our vehicle serviced. And we know that we're going to get another vehicle within two to four years again. See what I mean? Right. Yeah. Even we look at immigrants and stuff like that, new immigrants to Canada. And it's like they come over. Right. They're building a new life. They're going to come into the dealership. Of course, they can't, you know, they can't buy, um, you know, the nicest car because they're trying to get established. But you look at a Filipino family, East Indian family, cultured family. We know as soon as one person comes in, they buy their base car. Now they got a better job. They're going to upgrade. Then they're going to tell their cousin or their auntie or their friend. (laughs) And you start growing literally with this family. Right. Now, there's a guy out in Edmonton, you know, Filipino Drives. This guy's a Filipino salesperson, brands himself as Filipino Drives. Tell me this is not brilliant marketing outside of the dealership. And they're a Toyota dealer. He figured out how much Tim Hortons pays Filipino people roughly in their first year when they come over via the work permit. He then figured out what that would afford them for what vehicles they could afford based on this payment on a monthly scale he targets his ads in a short little video clip explaining how they can get a car loan and why they can afford it and targets it to filipino people tim hortons who just came to canada because you can now what does that do you're a brand new person to canada it's a different country so you're depending on family to introduce you i've never immigrated to a new country but the only experience i could maybe take is when i travel where if i go to a foreign place and i don't speak the language you know, you're trying to do your homework, you're trying to make sure you stay out of the wrong areas, and you're trying to do as much education as you can so that when you get there, I love exploring new things, but you know, you always think about safety and things like that too, because you're you're in a different place, right? Same thing when people come over to Canada. So if you can be that advocate that's now educating you on what the car buying process is, don't you think you're gonna get referrals from that? Obviously, right? So, right? so and, and dealers now are taking the tactic. We're saying we're not marketing our dealership as a whole. And this is something that dealers can take from. They're not marketing their dealership as XYZ Motors. They're marketing Ryan at XYZ Motors. Lori at XYZ Motors. Now, what does that do? That says, Lori, I see your face on Facebook. Am I going to trust Lori's face or the dealership? It's human. Right. It's one to one. We're 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 using technology to have that more personal feel, right? You and I are talking via the internet, you know, on opposite sides of the country. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> so really cool. So very yeah, and we're doing it, and and we're also recording a podcast while we're doing it. So look at how many <laughs> like we're we're maximizing our time right now. Yeah, and it, it's. So speaking of time, yes. um, so when you talked about that, the, the Filipino dealer there, yep. um, it almost sounds like, and just uh, my impression is people often look at digital marketing and figure if they just get on Facebook, just get on Twitter, um, and somehow to quickly try and find the people that we've usually been selling to so far, it will work. Mm. But 
in terms in, in order to find out how much these people at Tim Hortons are making and mm-hmm. to find out the right vehicles to sell to that um, cohort and all of that, that takes time. Of course. So it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, sure. that it's really important to put the time into the planning beforehand of the digital plan because carrying it out suddenly becomes a lot easier. Laurie, or am I wrong? Laurie, I expect, I expect a great article from you because here's the analogy <laughs> I'm going to give you. You're a copywriter, okay. right? Yep. Words are words. Unless and to be honest, and words are powerful. Words are truth. Words are uh, our number one form of expression. If you were to write a sentence down, but you give your readers no context, the sentence is garbage. Context is what makes the word actually come to life. Exactly. If I take out one ad on Facebook and it's a picture of a stupid car again, does that get you excited? But then if I take out another ad that I want to market that car with. So, okay, I'm not to be stereotypical, but a minivan, right? We have, my wife and I just had a child. We're going to have another one. We will never have a minivan. If you drive a minivan, I apologize. Anybody that's listening to the show, if you drive a minivan, I mean, no offense to it. I will never drive a minivan. Even if I have a boatload of kids, I will have cargo boxes. I will have an XLT. I will get, I will never drive a minivan. However, if I want to sell the minivan to a family or a couple that has children that is looking for the space and looking for the conveniences that a minivan gives, is it appealing to just show the minivan or in the ad show kids in the minivan, show car seats in the minivan, show the cargo boxes on top of the minivan, show groceries coming to the minivan? People don't buy the vehicle. They buy the lifestyle that the vehicle provides. It's very simple. You don't buy anything in your life unless you got just a bad habit, which is fine. But you don't buy anything in your life, Lori, that does not provide some sort of value, period. Even if you go and buy some gum, well, you wanted to chew gum. Maybe you love chewing gum. Everything you have gives you some sort of value. Otherwise, you wouldn't purchase it. I know you think not maybe not everything, but it's so subliminal. You're like, I want I want those shoes over there. Well, what are, what are the shoes for? Well, I'm going to go out. It's for like a nice event. Okay. Or are they for working out? Okay. Well, that's a completely different thing. Look at the way Nike markets shoes. If dealers could market their cars like Nike can market shoes, storytelling, storytelling. You're storytelling the vehicle because the reality is, and everybody listening to this, buying a vehicle is the worst investment you can ever make. In your life, tires, oil change, not to mention the depreciation once that car drives off the lot. Even the dealers, the dealers that have the damn cars on their lot, that have loans on the lot. As soon as that month goes, buying a brand new 2018 in January is going to be a lot more expensive than December 2018. Because we know as soon as it goes to 2019, man, you can't sell that car for what you could have sold it for in January. Fact. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you to continue. You know, <laughs> when when you write this article, I just want you to write it in a way that's very like spicy and tactful because I see a lot of people that write articles in our industry and it's, you know, they're giving them the, they're giving dealers the general consensus of things which I think is good, but you know, it's just helping them to understand first off, it's not complicated. Digital is very simple. It's only if you're willing to learn, understand, and not come into the learning exercise with self-serving ambitions. And I know people say, well, Ryan, we're in business to make money. 
We need to sell vehicles. And I totally understand that. But in our 2018 economy, the customer doesn't care about that. The customer cares how you will benefit them based on the product that you have to put them in. And if you take that one single thought process before you take out that first ad on anything, I promise you, you will see the return. It might not happen tomorrow or next week, but before the year's out, you'll be a rock star and that will start compounding. Not to mention dealers are spending some of them 40% less on advertising. Right. Can't complain with that one then, right? Yeah, because then I, I look at them like if you're spending 40% less on advertising, you can afford not to sell some cars for a little bit, even if it's losing 10% on that margin because you're still, you know, money's money. It's money in, money out. Mathematics, right? Right, right. So um, I think my last question, and feel free to add more after sure. I finish my last question. Sure. I am open. Sure. Um, I, I find... Again, I'm, I'm always going back to the time factor because, again, I have my little freelance business and yep. I'm trying to find 30 people a year. They're trying to find any car dealer at least 30 people a month, Correct. right? And they work there at 8 in the morning. The dealer owner goes home at 10 o'clock at night. There's yeah. a kid at home that's already asleep at the chat that he hasn't seen or she hasn't seen, yeah. et cetera. And so I'm always looking for ways to make things more efficient for dealers. And Lori, one thing are, you speaking, I keep, are you speaking based on being a child of a dealer? I'm all of it together. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, no, no, I can tell. This is owner, child of, yep. yep. You know, I'd see my dad on the in the car ride home in some Toyota, yeah. you know, from the dance studio at 10 o'clock at night. Got to talk to him for 15 minutes. I'd see him in the uh, morning on the way out the door, and that was kind of it, right? Yep, yep. So one thing I always want to come back down to is touch points. Yep. Because I find that dealers, I don't, I don't, I don't like speaking in terms of my experience because I don't have a lot of experience in terms of buying cars because I don't drive. I don't buy cars. And if I did buy cars, yeah. it would be from the family dealership. Sure. Anyways, but I, I find in general, I believe in general that um, touch points are really underutilized. Mm. Right. You've got the you have the um, marketing, yep. you know, the whole lead, qualifying the lead, all that person comes in. They talk to the dealer, search to the salesperson. At some point, they go into F&I and they've yep. got to come pick up the car and they go in. And sometimes I feel like it's just, oh, thanks a lot for coming in. Here you go. Talk to you later. Yeah. If time is such an issue, why on earth wouldn't they make these touch points much more efficient to yeah. get more into it? It's, it's like not using your touch points is like a bad piece of copy. <laughs> you know, you Absolutely. put the words there and they don't do much for anybody. Correct. So long question. I apologize. The oh. actual question. How can dealers make those touch points work much stronger for them? Um, I think they... I mean, number one touch points are, again, invest in your staff, you know, invest in education. I think the best example is how can you hire a salesperson, give them a book, tell them to go learn the product. (laughs) When a customer, let's assume the customer on average is searching 30 to 90 days prior to entering the dealership. Fact. If I've been researching for a 2017 Toyota Tundra for 90 days and I come at you, Lori, who's in the dealership, and your job is to know 15 models, who's going to know more about that Toyota Tundra after 90 days? The salesperson, Lori, or the customer? Most cases, it's the customer. Do you know how many times I've talked to an owner of a dealer? He has to call the manufacturer. He doesn't even know the answer to the specific question that a customer asked. Customers are getting so sophisticated, they're figuring, they're trying to figure out if you're a bullshitter. So they'll come in and ask questions like, what's the towing capacity, Ryan, of a Toyota Tundra? If I lie and give them a number and they know what the actual number is in terms of weight, 
I've lost all credibility to that customer. The best answer I could have gave them was, you know what? I'm actually not sure. I'll find out for you. Because now at least they're like, okay, Ryan seems like a trustworthy guy. He's not telling me a BS answer. So it goes back to the level in which we do our business on a day-to-day in terms of touch points inside of a dealership has to improve because not only, even if you don't want to improve, your customer is forcing you to improve. Back in the day, and a lot of dealers are still kind of referencing that, who've been in the business, the only education and knowledge a customer could get prior to purchasing a vehicle was from the salesperson or that shitty little manual that nobody reads. Right. Now we have Google, we have Facebook, we have review sites, we have videos, we have walk around, we have all this stuff before we even go into a dealership. So the dealer needs to understand that if the customer is going to be more sophisticated in their buying process, the dealers have to become more sophisticated in their selling process. I don't think dealers sell cars anymore. I think they consult customers on what car to buy. Most oh, customers, and, 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 maybe, and maybe if you are, you're not aware of the industry, a lot of customers come in and back in the day, they come in and say, I'm not sure what I want to buy. Let's go take test drives. Customers come in and say, I'm interested in that model or that model because they've researched it, right. right? In the States, there's multitudes of customers. They don't even take test drives before buying the vehicle anymore. Fact. Because if I drove a 2012 Ford F-150 and I want to 2018, I'm already familiar with the product line. I've already been doing research in my homework. So why would I feel the need to take a test drive? This is how advanced that we're getting. And it's all <laughs> happening online before they even get to the dealer. So you ask, you asked me, you said, well, Ryan, how can the dealer create a better buying experience for the customer? If the, if the customer is doing half of the buying experience, which is the discovery and education at home in their underwear with a glass of wine, where does the dealer get to then start forming the relationship with the customer? There are, the customer is already far gone in their, in their research so that by the time they get to the dealership, the customer, they need to be asking customer questions of what vehicle did you have in mind? Oh, okay. How much research have you been doing that online? Those are the questions because it shows the customer that the person they're talking to is sophisticated enough in their craft to understand what the customer's done prior to getting to them, right? You're interviewing me now and I, I take enough craft in what I do to take a lot of craft in what you do so I can understand what you do that much better, which in turn makes me look better. And that's the facts. Whereas if I get on, I'm like, oh, so what What magazine? Hold on, Lori, where are you from? You know, it's just like, what? Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> are you living? So these are the things that the dealers have to understand. Those touch points. I've worked at a dealership. I've presented to dealerships. I've worked with dealerships. I've seen it from all aspects. Investing in their staff. Finding and recruiting somebody who has a marketing background. Don't care if you don't know automotive. Thank God. It's probably better. Fresh perspective. Fresh ideas. Okay. Adjusting your attitude and mindset to saying we really do want to learn and not being so self-serving, which everything I just said, dealers can't stand it, but they know it's the truth. There's no easy easy way. You got to work and you got to learn. The fun part is digital is not complicated. Very simple. I think a lot of vendors and companies try to make it sound complicated so they sound smarter. But if you can't explain it to an eight-year-old or an 88-year-old, you don't know it well enough yourself. Right. 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 That's, a, that's a standard that everything's held to, right? Simplification. Yep. Right. 
your words can look really good but if i kind of like read the sentence and i'm like what what did she just say maybe you went over the top you know who knows (laughs) who knows (laughs) who knows we have so much information thrown at us Lori. and in dealers it's not easy they have so much information they got vendors that aren't so good they got all this misinformation going on sometimes they're running their business poorly there's so many factors in a dealership it's one of the only industries that who i mean literally what industry do you know of that a son or daughter gets passed on a business that's like a 250 million dollar business and the son or daughter's never run a business before but because they're related to dad or mom they get the business and that's what you're seeing that's scary and just because your family does not make yeah. you does not make you equipped to run a business like that if you do not have experience, and this is what you do see in the in the auto industry. Yeah, and I mean, I'm in terms of I, I have seen it in other industries too. Um, <laughs> just as a, as a consumer, I have, and yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. not trying to you know wash the family uh, dealership here. Um, <laughs> no, no. Those who are taking over went to school at least for this. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it's I find too once the family gets involved it becomes difficult because if a family member is not doing a good job and I've seen this elsewhere, not, not at my dealership. Um, if the family's, someone's doing a bad job, it's hard to say, look, family member, you're doing a bad job. <laughs> Christmas right? is going to be awkward. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's what we call it's, nepotism. I, I, and I, I don't, I don't envy people who do family businesses because it's mm-hmm. tough because you're mixing business and family and it's very difficult. I, right, so. I, 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 I I agree with that. Like I, I still to this day, even if I know it's a friend and we've developed a friend relationship, I, I even if he's like, you know, or she's like, hey, Ryan, I'd love you to do some marketing for me. I actually reject it. I just I don't because I, I you know, it, business is business. And when money exchanges hands, like sometimes you have disputes and things like that. And I, I've just seen it go sour too many times. And I think it completely embarks on your friendship a bit. Like it's, it, yeah, it's tough. I, I, I have seen families that pull it off amazingly. Yeah. And God bless their souls. Um, yeah. but man, the ones that don't, I'm like, your son is running your business into the ground. That's okay though. <laughs> I know you, I know you want to have, I know you don't want to have awkward family dinners. Why did your $250 <laughs> million dealership dissolve into zero? I didn't want my wife to be upset because my son wouldn't come over for turkey anymore. Like it, 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 you hear some weird, bizarre stories. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. So, but you know, interesting that the flip side of that I, on LinkedIn, one of the few useful articles I've ever seen on LinkedIn was talking about the bonus of family dealers, of family businesses, ah. because you don't have, you don't have the CEO who is worried about the next job evaluation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If you know you're taking over the family business and you know, that is your life for the next 30, 50, 40, 50 years, you are out of a job if you don't do well. And not to mention you're taking everybody with you, especially if you're strong and in the community and all that, mm. right? So one of the bonuses of that continuation is that there isn't as much need to, to change short-term all the time, get the short-term results because mm. you know you're not going to get fired, right? Mm. So it was an interesting perspective on that whole discussion. Yeah, so, yeah, yep. yep. absolutely. So. so I hope that answers your question. <laughs> It does. Absolutely. <laughs> is there anything specifically that you need in terms of, you know, the how, the tack? Is there anything or is that what you're going for? No, I mean, we've covered quite a bit. Yeah. And um, yeah, and as you said, like marketing is there is a lot to learn. It's simple, but trying to sort through all of that extraneous information that you don't really need, especially when you're just getting started or just trying to 
fix what you tried getting started in in the first place. And I think we've covered a lot of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, marketing yeah. is it's very simple. Like marketing is, is all about being creative and, and compelling. And it's kind of like the sales pitch. The best marketing is the one you never see, but you just kind of always remember it. And you're like, why? And, and this and that, you know, it's very distasteful if somebody comes to you and says, you know, Lori, I want to be in your magazine article, which is fine. And rightfully so. But it's weird how we are when people say they pitch us. We don't like to be pitched to. But when you circle back and do your research, you're like, well, no, hey, I'd like, I'd love to have Ryan do this. There you go. It's the best marketing. You know, I don't call up editors and say, I'd love to be in your thing. They all find me because I feel that if you put out content and you, you know, love what you do and you do a good job, like people find you. And when somebody calls you up, the conversation is a lot different. They're the ones calling you. Well, and back to the, I think the first question we started with is what can dealers do to get into magazines is to answer the email that I sent out in the first place. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to be in the magazine, I mean, Abs- they may not want to. But. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, that's, so. that's just the way it is. So uh, I hope I was of, uh, of, of benefit. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Okay. So we're going to wrap it up. Uh, everyone, this has been a um, interesting episode because it's kind of like reverse osmosis happening here. Even though I'm the host, Lori is actually the host. So thanks, Lori. And here's, no what's, really, here's what's really funny about this. If we see Lori, uh, one day I'm going to see her at a dealership and I'm going to say, I knew you were going to get past the business and I know you were a copywriter and I knew it because your ads were so nicely written, but how's everything else in the business going? (laughs) So at least she has that. But uh, everyone, I I hope you got some good value from the episode. Again, thank you so much for all your reviews. As always, it's available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Um, Please leave us a review as it helps us. And uh, again, curiosity is our mandate you can follow myself at rhinolds one on all platforms Lori, how can people reach out to you it's a good platform they need some creative yeah. writing oh absolutely i'm at lauriestrauss.com that's l-o-r-i-s-t-r-a-u-s.com one s at the end so not two perfect <laughs> mistake yep everyone it's been another episode Lori. thank you so much thank you ryan I'll much appreciated you know.